Good evening and welcome to The Cusp. I'm Craig and joining me today is Susie. And no Nathan. And no Nathan. It's just the two of us and there is a reason for this. <laughs> we actually had uh, Nathan and we recorded at the weekend or we thought we recorded or I thought we recorded. Something went wrong and uh, in fact we didn't actually get any audio so we spent over an hour talking about crap and um, didn't actually record it. So, Susie and I are re-recording it by ourselves, without Nathan. So, hopefully it'll be just as enlightening and funny and who knows what else. But probably, but probably less not. full of inappropriate comments, <laughs> Indeed, indeed. So, firstly, uh, we have no email slash feedback. So, we're hoping that there's actually people out there listening to us. And we would really like to get some feedback from you. Okay, so on to the notice board. Um, ben Goldacre coming to New Zealand for the Auckland Readers and Writers Festival in May. Yep, so he is going to be talking on uh, Friday, 18th of May, I think it is, in Auckland. Um, but his trip is also sponsored by the Royal Society and, I believe, the New Zealand Skeptics. Um, and so he's going to be travelling to Wellington and um, Dunedin, to give talks there as well. So that'll be sometime um, around the 20th of um, May. So watch out for that and we'll um, let you know more as we hear it. Mm. So that would be very good. Apparently the New Zealand skeptics are paying some money to get him here. Get him to Christchurch. Right. So they're doing for the Christchurch bit. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, that would be good. Mm. Um, speaking of people coming to New Zealand and speaking, um, there is a guy by the name of Sean Faircloth. Um, and he is turning up in Auckland on the 6th of April. Um, I think this is um, being run by the New Zealand Association of Rationalists and Humanists. Um, Sean Faircloth, Faircloth is the author of Attack of the Theocrats, How the Religious Right Harms Us All and What We Can Do About It. Oh, um, that's really scary. He looks like a religious right. He's actually a, oh, that's really really frightening. What does a religious right? I don't know. He look just like? looks like he looks Clean like cut. yeah, he does. Right. But he's a member of the House of Representatives in Maine, apparently. Ah. Or he was. Yeah, I've actually he seen a, a video of him on um, YouTube, and he's pretty good. Okay. Um, so um, I understand he's speaking at um, the University of Auckland at the Owen Glen Building on the sixth of April. I think six p.m. starting. So um, that would be. Good to go along and hear him speak. Hmm. No doubt you have to pay for tickets, but I don't think they'll be very expensive. Uh, so He's an attorney. That's why he looks so clean cut. Oh, right. All part of the image. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yes, I'm sure he would be interesting to listen to. Hmm. So, um, on the agenda, well, we've got the news, and um, we could talk about the, the asteroids that Let's have been pelting the earth recently. <laughs> so last Friday we had well, so so we've got there was this asteroid scheduled to come and visit us, uh, called DA fourteen or something, wasn't it? Um and that was meant to pass between uh quite close to the earth, between the moon and the earth. And was... that's been known about for quite some time. Um, but it wasn't visible to the naked eye. But on Friday night, our time, there was um, a huge meteor that um, went across the skies in Russia. Yes. And um, caused all sorts of um, uh, damage to broken windows and people. I find this amazing that, that there was this this asteroid that we were expecting and then one that pinged out of nowhere it's like how did we miss it yeah yeah did somebody it, have their eye off the screen for well, a moment or something well looking at um phil plate's blog bad astronomy uh he he's of the opinion that it um that we wouldn't be able to detect it because it's too small so how big was that one so the, the one that they did detect was something like 45 oh yeah it was quite huge um, and and if it had hit meters. the earth it would have been um would have been devastating right um so so that's good 
that it didn't hit that the it earth. Didn't, that it missed us. Yeah, 45 metres across. So how big was the one in Russia? Well, the, the one in Russia... Right. Yeah. So, so the one that the one that went past the Earth was 2012 DA14, um, and it was shown. The radar ob observations have shown it to be an elongated rock, about 20 to 40 meters in size. Um, normally, such a small rock would f would evince little interest, but this one came close, missing the Earth by about 27,000 kilometers, which isn't very far. Uh, it still didn't get very bright. It was invisible to the naked eye, but with digital cameras and dark skies, snapping pictures of it was a matter of knowing where to aim. Something blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah. So um, I'm not sure what damage it would have done if um, if it had actually uh, hit the earth. Um, probably wouldn't have been nice if you'd been in the way. <laughs> but uh, the one that, uh, that went across the sky... Um, and Russia was was obviously quite a lot smaller, but it caused a lot of damage. Saying that this uh, this one this what I'm just reading says it weighed ten metric tons, um, entered Earth's atmosphere and broke apart thirty to fifty kilometers above yeah, ground. But I suppose uh, an asteroid that is twenty to forty meter twenty by forty meters would be a lot more than ten metric tons. Mm, I guess it would be, right. be it would be huge. Yeah, but they're saying that um, the ex series of explosions that totaled something like between 30,000 and half a megaton of TNT, roughly the yield of a small nuclear weapon. Wow. Um, so and uh, so it was it was videoed by lots of people. I thought the videos were amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, these people just driving quite happily down the road and then the streak across the, the uh, yeah across their front window. Yeah. Most people didn't seem to no, go. Ah! No, no. <laughs> the world's ending. Yes. <laughs> So um, the it's um, so the, the the hole where it's landed has actually been found. It uh, landed in a lake and it's uh, made a hole about eight to nine meters across. And they found lots of um, little pieces of uh, meteor meteorite around it. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But of that, course, only eight meters. That that doesn't seem very big. No, well, I suppose it broke up and, mm. and burnt up a bit on re-entry. Um, so, so are there any pieces for sale on? Uh, oh, probably, probably. On eBay yet? Yeah. The um, on Phil Plate's blog, he talks about the fact that now that this has happened, lots of other people are seeing meteors, and um, and how can that be that we're suddenly having a whole lot of them? Oh, and of course there was the uh, comment on Fox News about um, the fact that God was aiming um, aiming the, the meteor at us at, 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 at Illinois. New no, no. Oh, oh. well, <laughs> uh, us collectively, <laughs> us collectively, as in uh, humans, um, because he was displeased about the um, the gay marriage laws in Illinois. Ah, well, is it, haven't we been doing that too? Well, the I whole know, gay marriage thing. And so one wonders why he aimed at Russia. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Perhaps he's not a very good, very good aim. Yeah. Um. So. So yes. So there have been um quite a lot of these that are now um sort of coming out of the woodwork, so to speak. Um. And it's probably because well, once people have sort of heard about about one happening, then they become a lot more aware of um, others happening and sort of want to want to connect the dots and say, well, there must be a pattern, when in fact probably these things are pretty much random. Mm. It was just coincidence that we happened to have uh, this meteor happen a few hours before the, the, the one that was actually expected. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, kind of. so this is a good time to um, tell you about a wonderful chart that I found um, in The Economist called Danger of Death. How... Um, what are the odds of dying for a given circumstance in a year? Um, but I think it's related to America. Mm -hmm. And they have, so this is obviously timed, made beautifully to, to, to coincide with the um, asteroid passing. <laughs> uh, it has the um, chances of death due to asteroid impact. Now, can you remember Pretty what low. they are? <laughs> Pretty, uh, it was about one in... 
half a million or something? 75 million. 75 million. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is an an individual in a in a single year. The odds of it? dying in a given year under selected circumstances. It says. Right. Of of one person of of you or me, dying. Well, it's it's that based on the deaths those... data from two thousand and eight. Right. So. Okay. Maybe that. So did anybody die from an asteroid impact? And oh no, here we go. The asteroid impact is an estimated. Um, sorry, it's an estimate based on long term average actuarial risks of all near-earth object collisions. God, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Right. So one in 75 million. So would that mean that, like, with a population of 6 billion, that on average maybe several hundred people a year die of die an from... asteroid impact? Or presumably it clumps it clumps up that, that yeah. if you had a really big one, it could kill thousands of people and... That does seem a bit odd, though, doesn't it? The numbers yeah. seem a bit high. <laughs> <laughs> Only yeah. one in seventy-five million. I would have thought more like one well, in but, a billion. But so their their numbers are odd, though, because they've got um, chances of being killed by a firework. Have a guess at that one. Uh, guess. Well, I don't know. One in one in a million. No, so that's one in 50 million. But I would have thought oh. that would have been way higher than that. Yeah. But I guess this is the It depends odds. upon whether you play with the fireworks or whether you're just watching. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, bee and wasp stings? Bee and wasp stings. Uh, I guess there's quite a few people who are allergic to those sorts of things, so that would skew the figures. So maybe, I don't know, one in five million? One in 25 million. Oh, I'm getting closer. <laughs> and it's okay, not because here we I go. remember these figures from last time we recorded either. <laughs> I'm trying to give you ones that we haven't done. Um, how about... Do you think your odds of being killed by lightning are higher or lower than a dog bite? Uh, I think lower. That's right. right. But not by much. Dog yeah. bite is... Um, 11.2 million to one and lightning is 10.5 million to one wow wow that is interesting mm. and so what's the most common thing to die of well what's the what the chances of you dying of heart disease was the top of their list 467 to one right so in any one year chances of dying from heart disease oh wait higher right. than anything else um falling downstairs Oh, one in 10,000? 157,000 to one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Depends upon whether you pushed or not, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Anyway, we will put a link up to this chart because it's quite beautiful. Hmm. And how does this compare with your own research into what people thought they would die of? Oh, um, well, not really my research in I always call them square quotes, quotes now, in, in inverted commas. Um, yeah, so a, so a few friends and I have been uh, looking at the death data for New Zealand from 2009, and we've been harassing people to fill in surveys about what they think um, they're going to die of or uh, things like that. Um, and it's been really interesting then looking at the people's perceptions versus what the reality is. So when we did the first one, uh, what do Kiwis die of? So, in fact, we'll put a link up to these as well because because my friend Mike has done some beautiful infographics for them. So the biggest killer, uh, <laughs> not what I thought. Do you what did you think it was? Well, well, no, actually, I I thought I was going to die of old age, but you said I'm not allowed to die of old age because that's not a real cause. Yes, it's not a cause of death. <laughs> no, it's not recorded. It's not one that you're allowed to record. Um, the people who write on their on the uh, certificates what people die of. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so about a third of the people that we surveyed thought that they were going to die of things like um, angina and heart attacks and strokes, which are circulatory diseases, which are the biggest killer. Mm. Um, and then uh, the next biggest killer, it's quite close, is cancers. Mm. Um, but there's some really interesting things. So we've got really high rates of suicide here. 
Wow. Um, what else are the really high ones? Yeah, so most people thought so they were going to... These are the actual These are actual deaths, not what deaths. people thought they would die Yeah, so, well, yeah, so, although, again, we had quite a few people say suicide as well, which was a bit sad. Wow. Um, or perhaps the... maybe they would link that in with euthanasia when they got <laughs> old and sick and wanted yeah, to end so it Yeah, so what, what, what were underrepresented were things like respiratory disease. So we get a lot of a lot of deaths from respiratory disease. Hmm. Um and kind of things like mental disorders but they were they were not things that people thought they were going to die mm. die of so um, mental disorders that would be like alzheimer's and parkinson's vascular dementia no right. so alzheimer's is put in another category called nervous system and again we've got we've got lots of those as well but this really irritates me because if people don't die of alzheimer's Right. They die of other stuff. Usually they die of something like a urinary tract infection because they're catheterized in an old age right. home. So, right. um, but the root cause would have been Yeah, so, so I, I, although did, somebody did respond to me telling me a little bit more about how they did, how these things were recorded. Um, but I, you, you do wonder what's actually put down. Is it, the, is it the actual cause of death or is it the yeah. underlying cause of, you know, mm. why they died? And that um, doesn't help people who want to do research. Into the actual no, well, what's we started with the wrong thing because actually it's not in, it's not that interesting what Kiwis die of. Hmm. What's more interesting is the things that affect their quality of life. Right. And so there'll be things on here that massively affect people's quality of life that don't come up on the causes of death. Right. Um, yep. And we are going to look at those, but it's just a it's just a huge job, and we're doing this as a kind of side mm. project. So hence why we haven't got to it. But we did, um, so the, the week after we did the differences between men and women, um, and again, Mike did a really lovely infographic of that. And there was one of the really interesting things was um, we asked people, uh, we asked people just things like um, what did, uh, you know, did they think there were any differences in what men and women died from. We asked a question about breast cancer um, and quite a few people didn't think that men could get breast cancer. Hmm. But actually of the breast cancer deaths, uh, I think it was about, um, let me think, 10, 10, 10, yeah, 10 to one or something. Right. For the number of, so, so men get yeah. breast cancer. Yeah, okay. Um, hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so again, he's put a, one of the really big striking ones, the differences between men and women are these um, cerebrovascular diseases. So the strokes and stuff like that. Right. Um, so so what, wom what women more? are massively more, women die massively more from those than, than men do. Is that because men are more likely to die of other things and so don't get to the stage where they're going to have So that's stroke, interesting or? because the most recent one we did was about... Um, was with age and so looking at as as you get older um what were the, were the differences um and one of the really striking things actually was just looking at the data for 2009 um we divided it into age categories so less than five years old five to 15 15 to 20 that like that up to over 80s um and in pretty much every category from from the 15 to 20 uh more males than females were dying until you get hmm. to over 80 and then there's more right more women yeah so there's a like a lower rate died off because once. they've all died off yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly wow. but it was really interesting that that at every category there were more men than women right um mm. we haven't of course normalized that for are there more men than women generally in those you know are there more men than women to to die right. you know what i mean to in the pool so right, to speak right but i yeah. thought that was kind of interesting hmm. and interesting then he's done these stuff. lovely curves to show um just where the deaths kind of lie so for instance if you think of the dementia ones it's pretty much a flat line until you get to the sort of 70s and then it spikes hmm. up because that's where most of the cases are um and there was a so for instance if you look at um the 
the brain cancer one was really interesting. So it's sort of it's sort of flat, and then it starts to rise in the twenties. So there's something that, pe- mm. and then and then drops off again when people get into their seventies, because basically that's not one of the leading causes of death. Mm, um, wow. Whereas traffic accidents was even more skewed towards the twenties and thirties, yeah. which is what you'd expect. Yeah. But the one that really um, amazed me, although it's a very small number of overall, so it, so it, the curve can be affected by. By, by deaths in one particular category, but it was assault. Yeah. So in so assault, there were a lot. Well, a lot. There were a number of cases in the under fives in that particular hmm. year, and so there's a big spike on the under fives. Yeah. Um, and then it drops dramatically, and then it spikes again in the kind of twenties to thirties, and then drops again. Right. Yeah. So it's really yeah. interesting, and it'd be interesting to know whether. Was it just this one particular year, or actually are there two age categories that are most at risk of assault? The mm. really young, and then the people in their twenties to thirties. Mm. How interesting! I it think it's really it interesting looking interesting. at all this data. It would actually be interesting if you could break it down more, because is it like, is it like um, parents getting rid of unwanted children early after they've been born? Mm. I don't. And, yeah. And does it taper off as they as they grow older, or? Or was it just that there were some high-profile yeah, well, that's possible shaking too. Yeah, baby I mean, you'd things have to, or something? You have to check across um, multiple yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. But when you look at these beautiful curves that Mike has made, they're really quite striking. Yeah. And the assault one just kind of blew me away. Mm. Anyway, it's really interesting. I can't remember that. what we're going to do next, but we're well, going to play with something. Well, we did. We were. We did. Um, we were going to talk about the Pope resigning. Yeah, Pope has resigned. Pope has resigned. <laughs> Long live the new Pope. Well, I love that. Have you seen all the things going around Facebook about oh, yeah, vote, some, who to vote for, for a Pope? There's some great, <laughs> some there's some great things on Facebook, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, there is a, there is a, a website which, which Nathan, Nathan actually described quite, quite well, um, the ITT, ICCCS.org, and it, um, actually I'm going to have to get it up on my screen because it escapes me now as what it actually Tribunal. stood for, but there's the... Or something um, crimes against uh, the international tribunal into crimes of church and state right right so apparently there's this one guy in Canada who runs the site um, and has got some articles on there that that sort of uh, describe why presumably he thinks that the Pope resigned and um, some of his ideas do seem to be quite out there. Um, so, yeah, Nathan would have been better at describing that, I think. Um, well, it'll be interesting that. to see what happens. Yeah, mm. Some people think that perhaps this might be the beginning of the end of the, the Catholic Church. Ah, uh, nah. We shall see. I think that the, the point about this, this site is they were basically saying that he was... Uh, he was stepping down because they were about to somebody to, was about to, to indict yeah, impeach him. him or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he was protecting the church. Right. But who cares? Who knows? Anyway, right. So on to more important things like flatulence on planes. I know this. This I love the story. So there is an article out in the New Zealand Journal of Medicine, um, or the New Zealand Medical Journal. Right. Uh, just last week, um, about farting on planes <laughs> and the it's an opinion don't do it people <laughs> well well that's that's the question should you hold it in or should you let it rip right and um so it goes something like this so the, their argument is that people fart and that um when you fart in a confined space this is unpleasant to people around you and they actually say that this reduces the quality of life of people so they talk a little bit about the like if it was the pilot you know yeah. so how this would if it was the pilot or the co-pilot this would you know seriously <laughs> impact the quality of life of the of their you know their their as um, a cockpit is a small exactly place, right but also the the poor flight attendants having to go down the aisles and things yeah anyway um and they argue that people will fart even more when on a plane because um, you produce more intestinal gases because of the lower partial pressure in the cabin. Right. Um, and also... And the different food you're and eating. And the different food that you're eating. Yeah. Right. 
So they then go on to talk about the fact that people might try and hold in their farts because they're embarrassed and they don't want to impair people's quality of life and that this can cause discomfort and bloating and indigestion and heartburn. And in fact, they even go so far as to say that the stress of holding in the farts could cause a person's blood pressure and pulse to rise. (laughs) And this could lead to cardiovascular complications like strokes. Right. So they're saying... Don't hold it in. And then they even go on to say, if it's the pilot is the one holding in the farts, this could seriously impair their performance. And that's not what you want. And then that pilot is... Especially not when they're landing or taking off. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So they go on to say, uh, so people basically shouldn't hold in their farts, but what could you do about this? And they come up with quite a few suggestions. So the craziest of them are things like... um, having a breath test to divide passengers into flatulent and non-flatulent flyers. And then they talk about putting the flatulent flyers either, either not allowing them to fly or putting them in a specific <laughs> part of the brain. Right. Okay. Or, so all the males would be down one part <laughs> of the plane. And... It was something, oh, I read somewhere about how much they said you farted. It was amazing. It was, um, I can't mm. remember what it was now. And then they suggested the... 140 meters or something yeah well so they so they also suggest a fart tax um like you could basically buy farting quotas because of the the, you know anyway but the easiest solution they suggest is to install activated charcoal into airplane seats right so activated charcoal is a form of carbon that is able to absorb gases and it can absorb a huge amount actually Hmm. um uh, and so they sort of talk about this, that, that essentially putting this into airplane seats would be a good idea. But they say if the, if the airplanes don't want to do this, then people could wear activated charcoal undies <laughs> or even better, socks. <laughs> socks. Socks, because they would intercept farts escaping down a trouser leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hmm. Is, this is in the serious medical journal. Yeah, in, in, in the New Zealand medical journal. And so well, ha- and how did this get in here? Well, I'm curious. Oh, yeah, here it is. Here it is. People produce 476 to 1491 mils of of flatulence so every 24 hours. Half a litre. Half a litre to a litre and a half. Oh, to a litre and a half. Oh, right. Yeah, okay, that's 476 mils. So, yeah, yeah. half a litre to a litre and a half of um, farting every 24 hours um, wow. and and in fact so so talking of activated charcoal undies um, you can buy activated charcoal undies oh. there is a product called under ease <laughs> um, which is a pair of undies that have a removable activated car- charcoal filter and their inventor won the 2001 Ig Nobel Prize for Biology for them <laughs> wow so they're available I'm very curious why this got into the New Zealand Medical Journal because the group of doctors who wrote it are Danish. Right. And So they shopped around for a journal that would yeah, accept their but, so I wondered whether uh, paper. Yeah, but I also wondered whether whether they did it because, I don't know, in New Zealand people have got to, you know, we're, 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 we're all we into our flying. Yeah. And, no, I was thinking more about the fact that we, we have to, people have to fly such a long way to sure. get here. Yes, um, indeed. But... Yeah, there you go. Mm. Farting on planes. Don't hold it in. Buy activated charcoal undies instead. Yes. From under ease. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, I won't be rushing out to buy them, I don't think. <laughs> if I fart on a plane, well, too bad. <laughs> so, into Woo Zealand. So, um, Jane Clifton has written an article in, New- in the New Zealand Listener on bigotry. Yeah, let me just find this. So she writes the politics page um, in the listener, and uh, it's a really interesting column. So she's talking about this MP, Richard Prosser, who uh, recently criticised um, Muslims. So he, Well, the story yeah. is, what he said was that young Muslim men shouldn't be allowed on planes. No. Because they're all terrorists, terrorists or something. Yeah. Is that what he actually said? Because the majority of terrorists are Muslims, therefore, the yeah. other way around, Muslims shouldn't be allowed on planes. Yeah. don't think that quite follows. Yeah. But anyway, but and so naturally there was a huge backlash against what he said. 
um, accusing him of bigotry. And her column is, is about the fact that it's not just conservatives or right-wingers who are bigots. bigots. Right. Um, that it's also the lefties. The left, yeah. And her, what she is using as proof of this is the fact that there was unabashed mockery of John Banks's pro-creationist admission yeah. last year. And, and she, he's the Minister of Education. Yeah, so this, is the, so this is the point. Our Associate Minister for Education came out as a creationist. Um, yeah. and he well, is, something everybody has suspected all along, actually. You, I mean, he's, you, I mean, being that you're not a Kiwi, not a yeah. native Kiwi, you probably wouldn't be aware of, of his, his history, but he used to um, have a talkback program and uh, oh, it was right, quite... Okay. quite um, well known that he was a fairly fundamentalist Christian um, and a creationist, no doubt. So, um, yeah, and yes. I think, However, the, but, but, but it's yeah, really so interesting it's that that criticisms of him, the man who is, I mean, he is the one pushing through charter schools who won't hmm. be, um, who won't, who won't really have to teach the full curriculum, who won't be subject to any Freedom of Information Act requests. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, that somehow. Attacking him for his beliefs yeah. is, is seen as bigotry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we did look up the definition of bigotry, didn't we? Yeah, and it was actually right, wasn't it? So, it, <laughs> <laughs> so we are being bigots. Well, yes, yeah. So, so what is the definition of bigotry? So let me just find it and, and so that I can actually give the dictionary definition. Bigotry is a state of mind of a bigot defined by Merriam-Webster as a person who is obstinately or intolerantly devoted to his or her own opinions and prejudices, especially one who regards or treats the members of a group as a racial or ethnic group with hatred or, and intolerance, which is not the definition we found the other day, but that actually yeah. does sort of fit to um, my understanding of what a bigot is. Um, so we're but, not but I think the, the definition we found the other day was something about somebody who just didn't like the opinions of others. Yeah. Which is the sort of the definition that um, that Jane is using. Seemed to be yeah. using. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas actually, we have legitimate concerns about his that his beliefs, yes. which we disagree with, and we have evidence for disagreeing <laughs> with. Indeed. Um, are actually going to impact on the education of young New Zealanders. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're right. And so I think we're not persecuting him because of his beliefs, but just because, because his, his beliefs, beliefs are wrong. Are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's an important distinction that that. Yeah. Um, that Jane Clifton doesn't make. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, maybe she's a creationist. On. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So um, we did talk briefly about um, Phil Plate again because on his blog he um, showed a picture of Mount Taranaki from, taken from the International Space Station and he initially commented that he was astounded at how circular the cone of Mount Taranaki was. And um, so he had some commented on commenters on his blog actually point out that actually the picture taken from space of Mount Taranaki looks so circular because in fact Mount Taranaki is plonked right in the centre of a national park uh, with a radius of nine point six kilometres around the centre of the park, and so people have just actually got farmland built up to the edge of the park, and that's why it is circular. Um, so it's, but it is an interesting, um, interesting picture. It's quite a nice, nice picture. But Though those... Phil Plate can be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and admitted but he is admitted to being yeah. wrong. Um, those pictures coming from the, uh, the, lots of them are being tweeted from the guy at the space station whose name I can't remember, but he's been fantastic on Twitter, um, sending hmm. sending stuff through. It's been some nice ones for New Zealand, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to find his name. Anyway, moving on. We don't need to know his name. Anyway, so, moving on. Moving on. Yes, moving on. We're taking a while. So, so a clinic in Fonganui <laughs> has been closed over fears of witchcraft. Yeah, so we talked about this last year. Um, this was Wanganui Hospital who was setting up um, a clinic for their staff. Um that was to offer meditation, massage, and energy healing, 
including Reiki and color therapy. Um, and oh, bullshit. Well, yeah. Um, and it was set up by um, an emergency department specialist called Chris Creswell. Um, and so last year there was lots of talk about the fact that he wanted to set this up. Anyway, it did get set up, but it's now been shut. Um, so how long was it in operation for? Well, it was supposed to be a three-month trial. Um, hmm. And they, it says they treated 75 staff over five weeks. So maybe it was shut after five weeks. Um, maybe it didn't work. Well, <laughs> it seems to have been... So the senior doctors were against it. Hmm. And there's been some very um, vocal ones, including um, uh, Clive Solomon. And so... And one of the things that's interesting that's come up is the fact that, that it could go ahead without the district health boards knowing about it. Right. So there, so people on the district health board are a little bit like, how can this start mm. without us knowing? And the well, lady how who's... How is it being funded? Um, yeah, I don't know, actually. Because uh, they had 15 therapists... Jeez. That's part of it. Yeah, I don't know oh. how it was funded. Um, Unless the staff were paying for consultations themselves, but... Yeah, I don't hmm. know. Anyway, so it's been closed. Yeah, it's been Yay. closed. But it's been closed primarily because the senior medical staff have said that, you know, the fact this is happening in a hospital makes it sound like we're endorsing it and we don't and we want to shut down. Yeah. But also because Chris Creswell has been linked to uh, the... Um, hang on, let me find it. The... Wa oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Whanganui School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is that an offshoot of Hogwarts? <laughs> it looks like it from their website. <laughs> <laughs> it says it's a resource for children of all ages about self-determination, oh. the power of words, and magic. Just just turn up at platform nine and three quarters. <laughs> and they have a podcast and Facebook page. Oh, wow. Anyway, apparently um, the and not much has happened on their page actually since last year. Hmm. Uh, anyway, but apparently this emergency department specialist is linked to the clinic, and because he was a driving force behind it, and they're all going, ah, hmm. stop. Anyway, it's been stopped. But it was kind Good. of funny. I saw a picture of him, and I'm really sorry, but my first response to seeing it, this is so awful, was, hippie! <laughs> <laughs> You're such a bigot. I am such a bigot. Hmm. Anyway. There you well. go. So that's been shut down. So now that we're into February, is there a latest issue of the Ponsonby News? <gasps> there is, there is, there is, there is. My favourite person is back, John Appleton on health. <laughs> um, and what's really interesting um, this uh, month, he's talking about um, coenzyme Q10 and heart health and how to protect yourself from heart failure mm -hmm. um and lo and behold i'm sure i've read this column before so yeah. actually i read it perhaps he's recycling columns i think he is but also he's, he's away on holiday or something he's then. um he's also putting it in another magazine oh. a rival magazine um on the north shore called channel or something anyway so he goes on about this q10 which he you can buy from his uh, online clinic a clinic online a yeah online shop yeah. Um, but it's also funny, he talks about this cardiologist called Stephen Sinatra, who's written an excellent book on, you know, how to look after your heart called The Sinatra Solution. Um, and I looked up this um, cardiologist um, and this cardiologist uh, produces his own line of supplements hmm. and believes in grounding. Grounding? Where What's that? you have to walk around with bare feet so that your, um, your, your irons can travel down or something you neutralize the your electrical charge something like that right. um thing. something like that and there's loads of products you can buy to uh to help you in this right um oh let me i'm just trying to find it now uh yeah anyway he's a he's a in my opinion he is a quack doctor um but obviously a cardiologist so well, so he knows everything perfect partner uh, for john appleton yeah hmm. yeah it was kind of interesting i also did some research on um on this q10 thing and found um a uh like a meta-analysis of trials that basically came up with the the idea that it didn't seem to do much 
And if it did, it was in trials where people didn't take it for very long. Right. So the fact that, you know, he's saying this is something you should take all the time is sort of nonsense, really. Anyway, yeah, yeah so my favourite people are back. Woohoo! Very good. <sighs> okay, so um, now we have an interview with, with. the marvellous Michael Edmonds. Edmonds, yep who will be telling us all about um, how to make a successful ASA complaint. We caught up with him at the New Zealand Skeptics Conference last year where he gave a fantastic session um, and he had us all going through adverts uh, or coming up with how we thought we could make a complaint against them. Mm. So that was cool. Yep. Um, so Craig and I are at the uh, New Zealand Skeptics Annual Conference being held in Dunedin at the University of Otago. Um, and we've had a fantastic morning of uh, talks and joining us is um, Dr. Michael Edmonds, um, who has a PhD in chemistry, just for those detox bath people who are um, doubting his qualifications, um, and is a fellow cyblogger and has been fantastic in attacking um, uh, alternative health websites, I guess, with the Advertising Standards Authority. And so what he came and talked to us today about was how to how to become a thorn in the side of pseudoscience, a.k.a. What did you say? How to be a prick or something oh, no, it was. No. How to be an annoying prick. How to be an annoying prick. <laughs> um, so tell us, how do you become a thorn in the side of pseudoscience? Hmm. Well, it's all about using the um, Advertising Standards Authority um, basically to the limits of what they can do. I think that's that's probably what best way to describe what I'm doing. So the Advertising Standards Authority um, has gone all updated and now you can lay complaints online. So fairly straightforward. It probably takes no more than half an hour to an hour to actually lay a good complaint. Um, and it's all about looking at websites which are making dubious claims and calling them on it. Hmm. Yeah, so there were a few principles that you outlined that we could attack. Can you remember any of them from the... <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can try. Um, one of the obvious ones to catch them on is that they are not, not allowed to make unsubstantiated claims. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of them fall down. They make claims which just looking at them you know they won't be able to provide evidence for mm. so you call them on it mm. and that's the best way to do it they also can't make statements which invoke fear and i think we saw today with a couple of examples that i gave that children are often used as an in by some people to make people worry about their children mm -hmm. and i think a lot of ads can be called on called out on that and ch challenged successfully yeah so you also said um they mustn't exploit lack of knowledge mm. and the scientific language must be appropriate. So in some of these sites, actually, it's hilarious. The mm. quantum, biophotonic, all sorts of things that get thrown at, mm. at us and you can mm. call them out on mm. on that. So um, so you gave us a few tips for laying a good complaint. Do you want to talk about what those are? Yes. Uh, I mean, the thing to remember is that you want to make it at e as easy for the Advertising Standards Authority people to read through the material. So I am always polite and quite neutral, um, try to be informative, um, sort of explain the more science side of things, um, because I'm, sh I'm sure that they're very intelligent people, but I'm I have no information on the science background of the people mm -hmm. who are judging these things. So, provi so providing that, pointing out particularly where websites are using scientific terminology but where it shouldn't be used, so the misuse of things. Um, neutral. So tell us um, how many complaints you've made so far and a little bit about mm. what's happened. Oh, I'm starting to lose track. I'm fairly sure it's at least 11 at the moment. Um, they do take a while to process. It's usually at least a couple of months. So there's still a few that are sort of halfway <laughs> there, hopefully. But um, yeah. it's interesting. All of them have been either upheld or settled. Um, and settled means that the company's decided, uh, the company that's... Um, Advertising the product has decided it's just not worth the effort to um, argue with me, <laughs> so they basically pull the ad. 
Um, and that's fairly common for big companies who it's just not worth the effort. You get much more of a fight from the smaller companies who potentially mm. you're um, challenging their bread and butter. Mm. Yeah. So hey, tell, oh, sorry. So, so what's your sense of the distribution mm. of advertisers online in New Zealand? Are they, are they, are there quite a few big companies who are doing this sort of stuff or are, are a lot of them little tiny sort of mm. mom and pop operations? Um, there are quite a few of the much of this much smaller ones. The bigger ones tend to be the um, bulk sort of. So they're selling thousands of products. Of some of them very legitimate. Probably a large majority of these just these sorts of these have slipped in as something that they can sell to make money. And right. um, so you call them out on it. It doesn't. It's not worth the effort to you know have the reputation for being a flogger of. Um, <laughs> Dubious products. Dubious products, yeah. yes. That's so I'd like you to tell our listeners about the response that you got um, to the one of the very first ones you did with the... Um, Ionisation. Yeah, water. so yes. tell us a little bit about what that complaint was and then how they responded yes. to your complaint. Um, there's, a com there's a company that's, um, who I will not name directly, <laughs> um, selling foot bar uh, detoxing foot bars. So basically the idea is you put your feet in this bath, turn it on, it puts a small current through it, it bubbles a bit and turns an orange colour, um, and that's the orange colour is supposed to be coming from the toxins in your body that are being sucked out through the soles of your feet, which kind of doesn't really make sense, so I basically challenged them on that, and when you make a complaint, you you get to see their response. And one of the first things they said is, well, blah, 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 stupid thing, blah, 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 followed by... Um, Somebody who could understand yes, chemistry yes, would know. Yes, you, you really, you only, chemistry really only someone who could understand chemistry would know this. And I'm sort of going, um, I do, I do, I do. I know <laughs> I like I chemistry, chemist. I am a chemist. And then they followed with the statements immediately followed that with the statement that electrolysis of water can uh, create H minus ions and OH plus ions, which for anyone who knows, has done maybe a year of chemistry, should know that they've got it round the other way, <laughs> that um, when you do um, break down water that way, you get OH minus and H plus. So showing that they knew actually nothing about chemistry. Yes, absolutely. Of course, they, they eventually decided that it was a typographical error but um, given the other stuff they were spouting I have serious doubts about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you did a fantastic little session for us where you gave us some uh, examples of things and, and challenged us all to mm. have a little read through them and see what we could, uh, mm. whether we, if we could make a complaint, um, what we could complain on and I think that was a really good way to do it mm. to let people look at the language that um, a lot of adverts use yeah. and so what we need to do is mobilize a skeptical army to mm. to submit these mm. um, yes. complaints rather than just Michael doing it <laughs> yes which is yeah. well, that, 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 that was part of the plan really because <laughs> as much fun as it is when you get to your 10th I can't imagine getting to a 50th complaint and still mm. being there still finding it engaging but mm. it was interesting to hand out the information and within about half a minute you're hearing matter 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 <laughs> what i can't say that matter matter oh you're joking <laughs> and the first i mean the first article i gave uh, the first advertisement I, I sort of handed out was full with um thing not only things that the advertising standards authority would certainly consider but things that most skeptics will know are yeah. a bit dodgy so just full of logs uh, of the fallacies yeah, all yeah. the fallacies appeal to authority mm. um, antiquity antiquity yeah. oh, yes. popularity <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. thought the second one which the teething drops was quite interesting so this is um in fact they weren't even sorry they weren't teething drops they were teething tablets $18.80 per bottle um, suggesting that you give four tablets every two hours to your baby until their symptoms improve I mean this is just so not only were they making a therapeutic claim mm. that these um, homeopathic teething tablets would help yeah. teething mm. but they're expecting you to give tablets, tablets to a baby, to a baby yeah I can't imagine doing that mm. no I'm no. giving tablets to a or a child, a child having a problem with, 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 their, with teeth. their mouth yeah. with their mouth yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. amazing mm. license to print money 
Well, that's the other thing is that by giving it to other people, I mean you get different people's perspectives, and they mm. were and all of them they were spotting things that I hadn't actually considered. I'm mm. like, hmm, there's a thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we should put something up on attached to our website that has mm. some. Here are some basic language to look for or something. So yeah, maybe we should we'd run a competition, see which skeptic over a year could get the most <laughs> complaints up. <laughs> That's a great idea, actually. <laughs> An ASA challenge. I'm quite yeah. happy to start from position zero. Just oh, okay. <laughs> equal things out. That's you might have to start from negative because you've got a lot of experience. <laughs> uh, but I've shared the experience. Right. So. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, um, thank you so much for both your talk today and uh, the exercise in how to do this. Mm. And um, on a personal note, thank you very much for taking on the Portex homeopathic mm. flea remedy mm. quantum physical nonsense. That mm -hmm. is. Have you actually right. heard about those ones that has been upheld? Or that one was that upheld. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's Fantastic. Yes, despite their passive aggressive argument and implied insults. <laughs> Yeah, it's no. quite but no, it's my it's my pleasure actually to come and have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> Great, okay. very good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And there's the interview. <laughs> Nathan, insert the interview now. <laughs> right. Okay, it's time for Nathan to say to me, "Have you got a quote?" <laughs> have Nathan's you got a quote? Not here, but so <laughs> yes, quote, yes, I do have a quote. The quote is, "Man's mind." stretched to a new idea never goes back to its original dimension and that was by oliver wendell holmes who is who was was <laughs> a member of the u.s supreme court ah okay in the earlier part of the 20th century died in 1935 yes. oh my god and he has the most amazing handlebar mustache uh, as as men did in those days true hmm. that was an awesome mustache yep very good and normally Nathan would tell us his word of the day. Um, but we remembered his word from last time. Well, we sort of remembered. <laughs> he did have to help us with it a little bit. Uh, but that is be blubbered. <laughs> Which is and a wonderful, wonderful word. means to be disfigured from weeping. Marvellous. Use so, it in the sentence. Hopefully nobody will be be blubbered from listening to this podcast. <laughs> Right, we survived. We did. We you survived. have been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. You can find us online at thecusp.org.nz. Jeez. <laughs> you can find us online at thecusp.org.nz. Come back, Nathan. All is Come back, Nathan. All is forgiven. Yes. <laughs> Drop us a line if you would. See you later. Bye.